You're listening to the podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, with Valerie Koo and Allison Tate. Valerie is an author, journalist, and national director of the Australian Writers' Centre, which is one of the world's leading providers of online and classroom courses for people who want to get published and write with confidence. Alison Tate is a freelance writer, blogger, and author of the best-selling series The Mapmaker Chronicles. She has more than 20 years' professional writing experience. Each week they explore the world of writing, publishing and blogging to bring you news and opportunities, advice on how to succeed in the world of writing, interviews with top writers and much more. With students enrolling from all over the world, you can find out more about the Australian Writers' Centre at writerscentre.com.au. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 249 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Alison Tate. How are you, Al? How are you, Al? <laughs> I'm I'm actually pretty good. I'm happy to be back in my little cubby house after, you know, three weeks of faffing about talking to lots of people. Um, so I'm actually, yeah, I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit above the fair to middling today. You'll oh, be very good. excited to hear. So yeah. you've been faffing because you had book week, then you had the Brisbane Writers' Festival. How was it in Brisbane? Oh, Brisbane was great. I had a fantastic, amazing time and it was such a really, like I was in the part of the wordplay, which is their schools program. It was so incredibly, you know, well organized and well run. And I spoke to, I must have spoken to like a thousand kids, if wow. not, I don't know, like so many kids. I, I turned up for my first session. <laughs> it was hilarious. I turned up for my first session and I'm looking at the size of the room and I'm like, are you sure you've got me in the right place <laughs> because it was a big it was a big room um but it was it was really really good i i uh, i really enjoyed it i had no voice left by you know sort of pretty well put it this way the last session was brought to you by about five strepsils because i'd just been talking for weeks on end and i'm sure anyone who's ever done the book week um, the book week thing will understand my pain and feel it because it's just, you know, when you're not used to, I don't know how people do it for a living because when you're not used mm. to speaking every day and sort of that sort of whole presentation thing, which is a slightly, you know, uh, louder and particularly given um, most of the places I was talking, particularly during book week, there was no mic or anything. So you're, you're, oh. you're, proje you're projecting to the back mm. of the hall, you know, over and over again. Um it just got, yeah, it was, I was very scratchy and it was not helped. I have to tell you this, Valerie. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Yeah, go on. So I'm there on Wednesday yeah. and um, I'm losing my voice and it's Wednesday <laughs> afternoon and I got an Instagram message from a good friend of mine who was at Big Sound, uh, which is also one in Brisbane at the same time, which is like a music industry event. A little right. Bit like South, a little bit like South by Southwest, you know, where they there's a whole bunch of new bands come yeah. to town and music industry people go to see them and stuff. Anyway, he says, oh, let's let's make the most of our our fantastic lifestyles that we're having today only and go and have a gin. So we did that. So we're sitting there <laughs> having a gin and he, he we're discussing, you know, just the ins and outs of everything. And um, he says to me, oh, so if I was able to get you on the door for a secret gig at midnight, <laughs> this is a, I want you to know this is 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, <laughs> will you come? And I'm like, well, I'm losing my voice chances of this happening is zero. Yeah, sure, I'll come, you know, I say, thinking that I'm going to get the text saying this is not going to happen. Um, and I go home at five o'clock and I have my dinner because I'm being sensible, right? Yes, because I've sensible. got to speak to 400 kids the next day and I'm being yeah. sensible. Go home, have my strepsil, go to bed, read my book. 10 o'clock, I get a text saying, right, we're on, Oh, wow. you know, Fortitude Valley, 1230, <gasps> 
secret Paul Kelly gig. Oh, wow. Here's your armband. Off you go. So I'm like, oh, my God. I literally had to get out of bed. (laughs) Oh, my God, really? Find myself a taxi. I'm leaving the hotel at midnight just going, this is insane. Like, really? Oh, my goodness. And I went to this gig and it was incredible. It was so good. And it was one of those situations where you're sitting there and every single thing about you being, you know, like a sensible mom and all those sorts of things, everything about you is going, you need to stay in bed. You've got a sore throat. You need to. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just go, you know what? I'm just going to actually do this. And I went and it was, inc- I was so glad I'd gone. It was like oh, having wow. my own creative date and I was really pleased <gasps> yes. that I'd said yes. And I think sometimes, you know, it's a, it's that whole thing of like we talk about this stuff all the time. Sometimes you just have to say yes and then yes. see how it goes, don't you? So I, I, I said yes and I went and it was amazing. So I had a fabulous time in Brisbane. Thank you, Brisbane. Thank you very much for having me and, yes. um, you know, and thanks, Paul Kelly, for a fantastic gig. <laughs> How cool is that? That's amazing. Do you know what the best part about the whole thing was? What? Taking photos of the – because I, I, I ended up backstage. I oh, wow. need to drop that in. I ended yeah. up backstage. It was taking photos from the side of the stage. I took some video to send to my 14-year-old son to mm-hmm. just say, it's 1.30 in the morning. Your mum, <laughs> she still has it. <laughs> Oh, my God. Wow, that is so cool. I love Brisbane. I think Brisbane's fantastic, except kind of in January or February when it's a little bit too hot for me. But every other time of the year. Oh, well, I, I, love I had it. to. I had to. I have to say, I was glad that I was there before summer because I cannot manage my hair in Brisbane well, yeah. at all. It was bad enough, mm. you know, in September, let alone later in the year. But um, yeah, no, it was great. I, I love that cultural precinct. I love how everything's oh, just all isn't together. It, it's there. all there. Yes. So, so if good. you stay, yeah, um, in so that good. area, and then you can go to Goma, you can go to the art centre, you can, yeah, yeah. It's so cool. And it's, of course, the green room nice. at the Writers Festival was fantastic because you just run into all of these people. So I ran into some old friends, which was amazing. I made some new friends, which was amazing. I've lined up some interviews for the podcast, which was amazing. I met Veronica Roth, you know, of Divergent fame. And uh, she signed a book for a young friend of mine. So, of course, that young friend also thinks I am amazing. So, yeah, so it was, you know, it was a win all around really. And um, And and is that where you hang out in the green room? Like like if you're – because you're not – in talking in sessions all the time. So in between the sessions, what do you actually do? Do you actually uh, go to other sessions or do you yeah. have no, I to went to, I went to other down. sessions. I went to other sessions because um, I think it's really important to see what other people are doing. And the, mm. the interesting thing about it, Alison Rushby, um, my, my friend Al, who has been interviewed on the podcast, yes. she she was also on the program and we were both discussing um, – she did so well. Her, two of her books ended up in the – I like stayed in the top 10 festival bookstore for wow. several days. Yeah. I, I, I got there as well. Um, but she, she was, uh, she was there for a while, which was great. Um, but we were both discussing how interesting it is to go to the other sessions because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all talking about the same stuff. We, we're, we're, yeah. we're talking to rooms full of kids, you know, about writing and making their writing better and where ideas come from and all of those kinds of things. So we were essentially all talking about the same stuff. But of course, 
it's how we package it and how we talk about it. And that, of course, you know, is, is down to the voice of the author, the voice of the books, how it, um, you know, how we present the, the, the information to, uh, to those groups and how it's received all comes down to, you know, obviously who we are as writers. So we're all saying the same stuff. And yeah. it's like a, it's like anything. It's like as you develop your voice, you know, as a writer, you also need to develop your own voice and style as a presenter and how you're going to package this stuff and how is it going to be best received by your particular audience that you're talking to. So some mm-hmm. of the groups that I was talking to were grades, um, who did I have? I had a, I had some, I had some four to seven sessions, so grades oh, four to, wow. to seven, and then I had some grades five to eight sessions. And right. um, as oh, soon as grades. you bring, I was thinking years. Yeah, sorry. no, no, grades. <laughs> yeah. As soon as you bring grades, uh, bring that slightly, that grade eight is a whole different world even just to grade seven. So as soon as you bring that in, it changes the dynamic of the room a little bit and yeah. it, it changes the interactivity that you're going to get out of that group mm. um, and that sort of stuff. And you um, – you you need to bear that in mind. And I was speaking to an, a newer author who was there and she she was presenting and she has a presentation that she takes to grades four to six, which is perfect for them. Um, but then she was also put down to um, to present to an, an older age group. And uh, she'd realized while she was presenting to this, you know, four to six or four to seven group that she really needed to actually re- rework her presentation for the older grades the following day. Um, and so she'd gone back to her hotel room and reworked her presentation, like keeping the similar slides, but reworked the content and how she delivered it and what, what she focused on for the older grades the following day, which was, you know, which was great. And apparently it went extremely well for her, you know, having done that. So I was really Mm. pleased about that. But yeah, look, it's, it's, um, it's, it's all a learning experience and those big writers festivals can be, um, can be really overwhelming when you go for the first time to something like that. Yes. But, but the other authors are so brilliant. You know, they're so supportive and everybody's like geeing everyone up. And I had to do an online uh, webinar for the first time and having never done anything like that, I was a bit nervous about it. But everyone who'd done it before me was like, well, this is what you've got to do. Watch out for this. This is how it's right. going to work. Yeah, yeah, look, it's it's a really great environment and it's it's um it just reminds you it reminds you why you're there. It reminds you what you're yeah. doing. You know, you meet all those kids and it just mm. who love your books and it just mm. reminds you why you're there. So anyway, I've raved. This is like me and the bears in Canada, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> at, least, at least I'm a little bit more on topic with this one than I was about yes, to be. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thrilled to hear that you had such a good time. Yeah. Now, we want to give a big shout-out to Anne C. West from South Africa. We have a listener in South Africa, maybe oh. more than one listener. But Anne's <laughs> says, I've listened to each and every podcast since the beginning. This podcast is both entertaining and educational. Thanks, gals. Oh, awesome. And she's entitled it absolutely fabulous. So thank you so much, Anne C. West. We really appreciate you taking the time to um, leave that feedback on iTunes. And if any other listeners have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, that would be awesome because it really does help us in the rankings. And um, and hello and thank you and good day to all of our exactly. listeners in South Africa, even if there is only one of you, Anne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and to listeners from all around the world, of course, as of well. Course. Of course. Now, we, we have a little bit of a short story theme that we're about to talk about, don't we, Al? 
Well, we do, um, only because I'm a little bit excited about it. Um, I, you know, I don't get excited that often. So we, you know, we need to go with my levels of excitement where, the, where, where possible. Um, but, you know, it's one of those situations where, you know, there, there's like a perfect storm of things that come t- to being. And yeah. generally speaking, there are not many short story competitions for children's authors, no, authors of yeah, children's fiction. Mean. Like most short story comps are, are actually aimed at, at writers of, of adult fiction, um, which is fine. You know, we, do, we get quite used to being on the kids' table. Like it's it, honestly, <laughs> we, we talk about this stuff often, how we're we yeah. often left off the adult tables when it comes to a lot of different things. Um, but there have been two, this just in the last couple of weeks, two brand new um, short story competitions have been announced for children's authors. And so, so cool. I just wanted to give both of them a shout out and yep. just to say to all the children's authors out there, you know, have a look at them because this is a bit exciting. Um, mm. So there's the Story Links short story competition uh, for a story uh, maximum of 1,000 words, must be for children, but written by someone over 18 years old. And that uh, the entry date for that particular competition is October 31, 2018. And we will, of course, put the link in the show notes. And the second competition, which is, you know, also launched um, on the 1st of September, is the Buzzwords Short Story Prize. Now, we've talked about Buzzwords before. It's a, a fantastic little magazine that is an industry based magazine for, um, for children's authors. It's a terrific um, newsletter, which I, I, it comes out fortnightly um, and I've subscribed to it for several years. It's run by Mm. the wonderful Diane Bates, who is a force of nature and they are sponsoring the competition. Um, First prize for this one is $1,000 and second prize is $500. And the short, the, the uh, shortlisting judges, one of um, whom we know very well is the lovely Kathy Tasker. Is it Tasker? Tasker, Tasker. Tasker. Um, who, of course, is one of our um, amazing presenters at the Australian Writers' Centre, yep. um, and uh, author Bill Condon, um, and, of course, Diane Bates, who runs the magazine. So it's a terrific short story prize as well for the authors of um, children's fiction. The finalist judge is Jackie French, yes. uh, former Australian Children's Laureate, who, of course, we have um, interviewed. Interview, on, yeah. We have on the podcast. It was a great interview. So, mm. um, the short, the closing comp for that one, it has a word count of 1500 words. It's a, needs to be a story for children aged eight to 11 years. And the closing date for that one is the 31st of December, 2018. So you have a slightly longer deadline for that one. Um, but of course the links for the, both of these are in the show notes. If, you know, this is something that you're interested in. If you're a child, um, look at looking at writing children's fiction, etc., it would be a terrific, um, both of them would be terrific for you to get involved in. So I have put the links in the show notes to both of those. And you can find the show notes at soyouwanttobeawriter.com.au. It will also put a link to this awesome opportunity for writers to go to Iceland if you want to. Now, have you ever been to Iceland? No, but, you know, it's one of those places that I, I, I think sounds incredibly interesting. Cold? Oh, okay, yes, that too. Well, cold, but also interesting. I think it's an yes. interesting place. Well, you I can would go like see go the northern there. lights there, can't you? You can, and you can also see these very cute horses that are on the, yes. the, on the webpage. Um, no, interesting, interesting place, interesting culture, lots of things about it that I would like. I, I saw the, this particular, you know, blog post that you're about to discuss mm. and just thought, yes, me, pick me. Yeah, I mean, that'd be really cool to go on a writer's retreat full stop, but then to go on a writer's retreat in Iceland would be amazing. So what do you think 
like I think we need to discuss what this is before we go any okay. further because we haven't. So That's basically true. what this is is it's a link on aerogramstudio.com, which mm. is a terrific resource um, of writing, kind of all manner of writing stuff. Um, and the Iceland Writers Retreat is offering talented writers from around the world the chance to attend its April to April 2019 program for free. Amazing. So Amazing. There's a scholarship program. You can apply for either full or partial funding. And the full funding scholarship includes a round trip airfare plus mm. the full writing retreat package, including accommodation, tours, most meals, and all workshops for the duration of the event, which you know, I mean, seriously, uh, the idea of jetting off to Iceland to um, partake and participate in a whole bunch of writers' workshops mm. and have it sounds all paid like for. Extreme, absolutely, mm. sounds like an extremely good moment for me. So I, yes. I'm contemplating applying myself. Yes, it's it's so it's a wonderful opportunity. It's great, mm. and it's open to people from all over the world. Yep, no entry fee. Applications close on Wednesday, the 31st of October. There's a whole bunch of supporting material that you need to send, and I think, uh, including written references. And I personally feel like, you know, like, why, why not? Yeah, why not why have not? a go? Yeah. Why have not? you been to a writer's retreat or something of that nature? Maybe not in Iceland, but somewhere else. <sighs> not in Iceland. I'm just trying to think. Have I been to a writer's retreat? I don't like think even I, if you organized it yourself, you know, the kind where you go away is the point. No, no, because I think if I did that, I would go away and drink wine because that's kind of <laughs> how I roll. You I could do both. I don't know if I'd actually, I, I don't, I'd be too distracted. I'd have to do a writer's retreat on my own, which is probably not quite the point, really, is it? I did apply no, I, to, I, I did I apply to go to Varuna. Oh, yes. um, and I, and I, you know, I just was applying to go as one of their, um, you know, yeah, uh, people who go and write there. People who go, just not, not a not not sort of like one of the scholar, you know, the scholarship ones or anything like that, um, because I think it was the time I had the boys; they were very young, and I was mm. just really thinking, "Geez, that, I just love the idea of it of going and mm. sitting in a room by myself for a week." Yeah. Um, but then I realised that the reality of it, of going and sitting in a room by myself for a week, well, is is just not how I work. So um, <laughs> I decided I would leave the opportunity for someone who would benefit from sitting in a room by themselves for a week. So yeah. yeah. No, I've never done it. Have you? Have you done one? Um, I did one, like a self-organized one. Like I went for a week in Byron. A friend of mine happened to have an apartment there and he said, yeah, come up and use it whenever you want. So um, he wasn't even there uh, and he let me use his place because I had to knock out, knock out a huge chunk of a manuscript at the time or really redraft a manuscript. And yeah, I went there for a week and it was so productive because there was nothing else to do. To do. There was, I knew no one in the town, you know, like I didn't have friends there except for this guy who wasn't there. And um, so yeah, it was really good. Very productive. Mm -hmm. I spent, you know, the mornings at the beach writing longhand. Then I would come back. I'd do stuff on my computer and I would just order takeaway um, and sit in cafes. It was – I knocked out so much of that manuscript. It was definitely worth it because you have no other distractions. Mm. Was this pre-internet or something? Mm, <laughs> 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 just wondering how old you really are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only asking. Well, wait, did everyone else think that? Like, no other distractions. All I'm thinking of was, was your phone not in your pocket? Like, really? Yeah, what? that is 
true, actually. <laughs> it wasn't pre-internet, but it was pre where you had a device everywhere you go. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so if you're going to do it, leave the device at home is what you're saying. Definitely. definitely. Okay. All right. All right. Moving on. Let's move on to our giveaway this week. We have five family passes to give away, and that means four tickets are in a family pass. Mm. Five to give away. So, based on the book by the same title, it is The House with a Clock in Its Walls, Hmm. starring Jack Black and Kate Blanchett. A film for the whole family, this magical adventure tells the tale of 10-year-old Lewis, an orphan who is sent to live with his uncle Jonathan in a creaky old house. But his new home is far from ordinary and soon reveals a secret world of warlocks and witches. The house is enchanted and Lewis must join his uncle on a quest to discover the source of a mysterious ticking within its walls. There you go. The house with a clock in its walls. So if you would like to win one of five family passes, then just go to writerscentre.com.au slash win. And if you are listening to this podcast in the future, don't worry, just go uh, to writercentre.com.au slash win. There'll be some other awesome competition for you to enter. Now, Al, are you ready for the word of the week? I am so ready, Val. Okay. Do you know this word? Elysian. So that's Elysian, E-L-I-S-I-O-N. Elysian. I do not know (laughs) this word. Okay. So it kind of sounds like it might be something to do with elusive or associated with illusion, but it's actually the Mm -hmm. omission of a vowel, consonant, or syllable in writing or pronunciation. Mm. So I'll give you an example. Like, oh, my goodness, when you hear some American TV sh- uh, American TV shows, the characters will say, oh, she took it to a whole nother level. They don't say mm-hmm. another. They say nother level, you know. Mm. Or, and I when do. people say secretary instead of secretary, mm. that's Elysian. Okay. There you go. Cool. Like it. (laughs) Enough. Shall I say enough said? Enough said. There you go. See what I did there. Hashtag see what I did there. Very clever. (laughs) All right. Elysian. Um, Let's move on to our writer in residence this week. Let's do that. And and I have a terrific interview with the very lovely Diane Blacklock, who writes um, contemporary fiction and we had it's you, you might need a cup of tea for this one because it's quite a chat and she talks about her journey because she's had a pretty interesting one in the sense that she um, was um, you know traditionally published for a long time many books and she has recently uh, taken the rights back to all her books she has re um, rejacketed and redesigned them and re-released the whole backlist and she has also brought out a brand new book so she has got um, a whole lot of stuff going on and we discuss all the different aspects of it and the other reason that I wanted to talk to her too is that she has got one of the longest or she's part of one of the longest standing author newsletters that I know of yes, um, you know too. in Australia here and she um, the story that goes with that is is also a very very interesting one so anyway settle back with your cup of tea or whatever it is that you fancy and um, have a listen to Diane Blacklock. Diane Blacklock's first manuscript was plucked 
off the publisher's slush pile in the year 2000, and since then she has written 10 novels of contemporary fiction. She regularly teaches seminars, courses and workshops, and is a busy freelance editor. Diane's latest novel, Jack and Kate, is out now. Welcome to the program, Diane Blacklock. Thanks, Alison. It's great to be here. All right, so we are going to go all the way back to the beginning in the eons of time, and we are going to talk about that slush pile experience. Can you tell me about how your first book came to be published? Yes, well, um, I had been writing as a hobby um, through having children. Uh, a friend approached me about, why don't we write a Mills and Boone, like, knock over a Mills and Boone was more her expression, you know, because it would be easy, um, supposedly. Um, and, um, you know, make some money on the side because I was um, pregnant with my second child and uh, be something to do at home. And uh, anyway, we we compiled what you had to, you know, sample chapters, sent off a synopsis and were roundly um, rejected. No reason, no nothing. Like it was just a, a standard rejection. Um, so then my friend said, well, why don't we write what we want to write instead of, you know, to, to a particular formula. And, and back then, perhaps things have changed a little bit, but it was it was followed quite a close formula. These were the smaller, you know, Mills and Boons, you know. Um, I know Mills and Boone and Harlequin have branched into full-length books and so on now, so um, there's there's more variety, but those shorter 110-page books were followed quite a strict formula. Anyway, um, so... We set to over years. <laughs> it was just, it was a hobby. It was something to do um, in spare time. My friend used to have rostered days off from her job and would come down once a month and she'd, you know, she'd take it off with her because she had a computer and we didn't yet. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> and um, mm. so this went on, you know, and, and we never quite finished it because I kept having babies. <laughs> we built... Um, <laughs> we were building a house as well and, you know, it's just like eventually. And then my friend also moved away. Um, so it was going to be harder to do the little – but it was just such a lovely thing to do to develop to develop a story together. I was I would do most of the writing and then when she'd come down uh, to my place on her roster days off, she would take that. Bit, and I'd leave things for her to research. I'd leave descriptions and stuff because I couldn't be bothered, you know, <laughs> just – have a bracket blah and she'd fill in those <laughs> tips. And I would have I would love to have that now, actually. But um <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, so that it was a hobby and it was a great time, you know, uh spending time with my friend as well having this, this project together. But it got sort of abandoned eventually. But then it was the year two thousand that kind of made these things you know, made deadlines and everything have an have an extra edge to them. And she was moving yet again from where she was, and she was going overseas. So, she, and she still had the floppy disks. If you remember the days of floppy disks, and said, "Do you want, do you want these?" And we had a computer by then, and I could type. And I said, "Oh yeah, that'd be fun." And so, um, I got them and, and started going through. And of course, in over the years, uh, my experience, uh, I was more experienced. Uh, with writing and and 
was able to edit them, you know, uh, down from their original flowery prose and so on and um, and ended up finishing it because um, it wasn't that long to, to finish. Uh, you know, we obviously knew where the book was heading, so there was um, only one way to go. And I got brave enough to tell some friends. Like, I didn't tell people previously that I was writing. Um, even, you know, even 20 years ago, that was still... A bit wanky, am I allowed to say that? Um, you know, it, it, you, it, you know. I, I think <laughs> there's okay. more. There's more writing groups. There's more, um, you know, support around for writers. It, it, just social media itself, I guess, makes a lot more um, space for writers um, to talk to mm. each other and and support each other and so on. But then it was a bit of a lonely old world. If you were to say to someone, you know, I'm a writer, they just, you know. And then, you know, even once I sort of had interest from a publisher that people wanted wanted to know where the book was, you know. <laughs> but anyway, that was the book that I ended up, um, it was the encouragement of those friends that I did end up passing it to that um, decided me to send it to, a, just two publishers uh, declared that they would take unsolicited manuscripts back then. Um, and that was Pam McMillan and Alan and Alan. So I sent it off to them, and um, two weeks later got um, got a call from Kate Patterson, who's now the Director of Publishing at Pam McMillan, but at the time was a commissioning publisher. So wow. that's how it happened, and the reason, like, it, I wouldn't, you know, now because I do a little bit of mentoring and editing of... of, of um, writers wanting to be published and I do the teaching. I mean, you can do that, but don't count on that. <laughs> the way it was really unusual and it was simply because my publisher had been looking, had, had, had published in England during the Bridget Jones phenomenon and the women's fiction, you know, uh, the women's fiction that was coming out of the UK then was wonderful. Stuff, you know, um, because you had the legacy of long-standing of people like, um, and her name's just gone out of my head, The Circle, the that wonderful, I can't grasp her, the Irish writer. I'm not sure, um, Di, you're telling the story. Oh, Maeve, are you I'm talking about sorry. Maeve Binchy? Maeve Binchy, I am, sorry. It's just went out of my head. Yeah, Maeve, yeah. So it's somebody like Maeve Binchy and some other long-standing writers there, and then of course the newer ones coming along, like um, uh, Marion Keys and Kathy Kelly and all of those. So they had a massive um, um, women's fiction um, element in in the UK that was really popular all around the world, and my publisher. Uh, came home. Kate came back to Australia, really excited to publish Australian Voices, and we were all reading the English ones. There wasn't anything here, so she right. was really looking out yeah. for it. So the people that were reading the Slush Pile knew that that was something she was really looking out for. So as I tell um, students in my class and so on, you know, it's, it's luck is such an enormous part of the process. Um, you know, right time, right place, mm. that you're going to fit into that person's list, that they're looking for that kind of thing, that they haven't just published something mm. just like yours. Um, 
you know, you know mm. just like what you're presented and even if yours is good, doesn't matter, they've got this on their list. There's just so many reasons. So I just, it was pure luck. So how did your friend feel when <laughs> when the book came out? No, she, she, I, uh, well, see, they didn't publish that book. So that was one thing. Oh. Uh, so that I should okay. say. So that was picked up on the first pile then. Um, we had things, and what they, what my publisher said was, well, the, the story's a bit 80s. Um, so it, feel, it feels a little bit outdated. And I thought, yes, because that's how long I've been writing it. So <laughs> that's when the, the story <laughs> came into the, uh, being. And um, so uh, so she called me in for a meeting and we talked and she told, you know, I found it at the time really baffling that, they could like me but didn't want to publish the book. I understand it better now, but, mm. you know, at the time it was just like, I don't get it. You want to meet me? You're telling me all this, you know, when, when we had the meeting, it was telling me how they package my books and all that. I'm going, but you don't want this one. And I, well, I can't write another one. What are they talking about? <laughs> and um, So they wanted the voice, is that right? They yeah. They, they liked your voice? Yes, and right. she, she said to me, um, even when she knew she didn't want to publish that book, she couldn't stop reading it. She couldn't put it down. Couldn't stop turning the pages. So right. there was something right. that made her in my style, I suppose. So she was a, she was able to pick up that, yeah. you know, you you can do this. This story's a bit outdated. We've got to move on. Um, so, but, you know, she liked, she obviously liked a lot about it. It's just mostly that it was, outdated um so she i think she mm. would have thought that trying to edit it to bring it up to um um scratch would maybe be too big a job you know that starting again would be the better thing and she mm. said i could send her anything that i wrote at any time really super encouraging and i don't know that publishers have enough time to do that nurturing anymore either so I feel, again, I feel mm. like I was lucky. You know, I think that was just a, a moment in time um, and the publishing. So she didn't so contract she, you to write a book at that point? No, she didn't. No. She didn't contract no. you to write one? No. Yep. No, it was, it was. But she asked you to send her anything else? Yes, it was all the support, you know, whatever. Right. If you write something else, um, yep. um, sent me off with a whole bundle of books. Um, to read, not, you know, she said, I'm ne not in the least suggesting this is what I want you to do because she actually gave me a variety of uh, ones that were the, you know, pinnacle of, you know, the English, probably some Maeve Vinci's in there or something. And um, <clears throat> at that stage, I'd never read Marion Keyes. I think she gave me a Marion Keyes. And there was a, a novel, and I can't remember the name of the woman, and I wouldn't say it anyway because she said, this is a poor example. <laughs> Of the genre, oh, and it was, kind of like, you know, she just said, just go ahead and just read them, and but because I wasn't, I was still stuck in my, um, not stuck in a bad way, but um, reading classics and things like that because I'd been to uni and studied um, uh, English, so I hadn't actually picked up a lot on this this newfangled thing of um, <laughs> women's fiction. Um, so it was really great mm. to, uh, you know, I think it felt, yeah, 
that was the one thing that she said about the eighties book too. She said it feels like you're writing what you think you're supposed to write, and that I wasn't, I didn't realise that everyday women's stories were okay. You know, so that there was more glamorous surroundings mm. and glamorous locations. You know, so I was still stuck in that idea rather and hadn't experienced much of the sort of um, moved on. Yeah, and experienced much of the sort of what was out there that was yeah the, the everyday stories. Um, that um, that women's fiction is really known for. That you can, and so I think she saw some of that in the book in the book that she read, and it's like okay, I had to strip away the other stuff. So um, yeah, so then. So I how wrote, long did it take you to come up with a manuscript? Um, probably the next six months, but I was able to. I sent her something. Well. I came home that afternoon and just said, oh, well, there goes that. I can't write another book, <laughs> so I won't be doing this. And then the next day, um, um, I, when my husband came home from work, I said, now, I had this idea, and I sort of outlined it for him. And he said, well, that took you 24 hours. You should be fine. <laughs> so then off I went. And I, I was about three chapters in. I sent it to her to say, is this the kind of thing? And she loved it. And she said, yep, because you don't have to keep sending it to me, but you can if you want to, um, whatever. So they did wait till I had a complete manuscript. I guess that was the uh, – and then I was offered a two-book deal. But I guess that was possibly wow. to see that I could do it, you know, because um, I the other manuscript yeah. had taken many, many years. <laughs> so it was probably something like about six months, and then we had a long editing process, you know. So I – I felt really well supported, particularly when I compare um, some people's experiences these days. And mm. I think it's changed, yeah. So what was your first novel called, Di? Called Waiting. And like in, mm. as in the phone, as, as you do on the phone, called Waiting. I remember <laughs> actually I was working at Clear. I was working at Clio when that book came out, oh, right. um, and I remember getting it yeah. as a as to review. Um, right. So it was probably my second stint at Clio, and I remember receiving it and reading it in the. I had the proof. So oh, right. yeah. you and I have been connected. You and I have been connected for a long time. There you go. Um, yeah. But anyway, so let's <laughs> let's fast forward a few years. Mm -hmm. When we actually first met in person. Mm -hmm. You were touring the country regularly, well, it was particularly the state, with two other authors. One of those was Leanne Moriarty and yes. one of those was Burr Carroll. Yes. How did that come about? Like, did the publisher put the three of you together? No, no. In fact, publishers are fairly nervous about their authors getting together. It's a, it's a, it's a funny mm. thing. Um, yeah, they kind of like to, to corral you into separate groups because you don't want, you know, comparisons and things like that aren't. Uh, you know, are difficult for any authors. But I think that, again, social media has broken down so much of that, you know, um, because you're going to get mm. to know people anyway. Yeah. Um, but um, it was actually Burr, uh, who was from Ireland and had come out. Uh, she had published a couple of books in Ireland uh, and then come out to Australia and um, was looking to get those books um bought as well as a, a new book that she had um, she had written. And she, coming from Ireland, she was aware, not that she'd been friends with them, but she was aware that, for example, Marion Keith and Kevin Kelly were friends, that they um, mentored, you know, newer authors. They were very encouraging and supportive. 
um, that there was a real community of writers in Ireland. And she was mm. kind of shocked to come to Australia and she didn't know anyone. She didn't know how you got to know them or meet them, you know. Um, so she said, told this to my publisher that she would really like to meet some other authors, particularly in the women's fiction genre, to, um, to um, well, network a, a little, but, um, yeah, just for the support and everything. And I had said similar things to to Kate over the years that it's, you know, it is a very isolating job. As I say, I'm saying all this and I think mm. social media has helped a lot. This is just prior probably mm. to the takeoff of it. Yeah. And anyway, so Kate said, yep. all right, and she put us in touch and we went and had lunch. And I'm all, I was also friends with Tony Park who writes um, adventure thrillers set in Africa. Yes. Um, he's a wonderful yep. guy. And we became friends at a cocktail, you know, at a, at a, at a Pan McMillan cocktail party sometime. And, and we've been friends ever since. I've been to Africa and everything now. Um, so uh, he wrote, he was writing a newsletter. Um, and he said, oh, you've got to do this. This is great. And I said, you're in Africa six months of the year. You get to put interesting things in your newsletter and photos. What am I going to say? <laughs> you know, I still had kids at home. Um, you know, like the, you know, the run up to the shops isn't as interesting yeah. for me as, a, you know, as, as the safari drive for you. Um, I just thought, oh, I would have struggled to fill a, a newsletter on my own um, and it, and my life circumstances at the time. So anyway, I was telling Bird, this maybe if we did it together, we could make it a bit more interesting. And then I said, oh, look, I know Leanne, not mm. reality now. Now when you say that name, it just is like there's a glow around it. But um, she was just Leanne Moriarty back <laughs> then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, we had met similarly at a, at a, at a Kate had introduced us at um, a Sydney Writers Festival party. Um, uh, and Leanne's first book hadn't come out. And my second book was about to come out. And she said, here you go, talk to Di. You know, she... She's been through the experience. And so we've been friends and so we, you know, a uh, couple of other social occasions um, organised by the publisher we'd, we'd um, met and got along and I had met her sister and things like that. So I said, look, Leanne might want to do that. And so I got in touch with Leanne and then she said, yeah, okay. So then we had lunch again with all three of us and we started to plan the newsletter. So that's how we started. And, and we started to plan well, how much better it would be to do events together because we're going to draw on. Okay, so the newsletter, so was the mm. newsletter called Book Chat then because it's called Book Chat now? Yes, it, yes. Or has it always um, been Book Chat? It's always been Book okay. Chat, yeah. So the newsletter came first? Uh, yes, I think, well, at the same time, you know, it might have taken us, I can't remember exactly yeah, now, okay. probably took us months to sort of put it together, but that's what we decided yeah. to do. We can do a newsletter together and we can do events together. So, and that that Fantastic. would be good. Yeah, so. Okay, and mm -hmm. do you think that that being the threesome like that was a benefit as far as like when it came to promoting your books? Like obviously doing events together has got to be easier than having to manage it by yourself. Yes. And also, as you said, having something to put in your newsletter. Do you yeah. think that like 
it, was that kind of dr bringing each other's audiences to those events? Do you, I mean, is it something that you would recommend as a good thing for other authors to do? Oh, totally. Especially if you're, oh, well, and I think you have to have a genuine friendship. Um, we're not doing, for example, mm. um, you know, we're not doing as many now because um, Leanne is totally booked out. Burr and I are doing an event soon together, but um, yeah. people bid for um, Leanne now and, you know, she can't do as much uh, with us, but we're still doing the newsletter. But and but we still, yeah, we're going out yeah. to lunch next week. You know, we uh, we have a friendship now that is, um, you know, so get with people you get on with, you know, because the supportive yeah. part of it is so strong. You know, um, you wouldn't want to start yeah. having catty, you know, feelings about each other. And there's never been that. It's all been hundred percent supportive. Um, and yeah. The, for the events especially, and that was, yeah, the, the, we saw the newsletter as a as an adjunct, you know, as a way to advertise the events and as to keep, you know, yeah, to, we'd heard it was a good thing to do to um, build up an audience, but very much for the events because you would go on your own to events mm. and you just didn't know. These were ones organised by your publisher and everything and you could have, you know, three people and their dog there and just go, oh, this is excruciating, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And you could just never tell. And actually, you know, we were having no. these fantastic, um, we were, you know, starting to really draw people because I think, yeah, once there's the three of you, there's every chance that somebody's heard of one or two of you or or is a big fan of one yeah. or two of you and then they go, oh, I'd like to. So Leanne wasn't the draw card at the beginning at all, you know. It was very much it sort of depended on their audience. and. I remember, in yeah. fact, I don't know which book it was for. It might have been for the hypnotist love story. She was. That was one of the first times Pam and Max flew her. I think that was on the excess of um, success of um, what else forgot. Um, mm. So it was the next book, and they flew her down to um, Melbourne for one event and up to Brisbane for one event, and then we had an event already booked at Penrith and so her Brisbane one was only a few days before she flew back and met us and she said oh thank god I'm with you guys we had 60 plus people at this event at, at Penrith that we'd organized and she'd had some amazing yeah. like seven or eight people at the one at Brisbane and it was excruciating and you know, and there were funny mm. stories out of it and everything, and she just sort of said, oh, I don't want to do any online. Of course, that's not an issue for Leanne anymore, but <laughs> that was <laughs> – and Spur is under a publisher now, and her book comes out, um, well, next month, as in tomorrow, from tomorrow, uh, her new book, and she's got – they've organised events, and she's asked them, can I come along? Now, I'm coming to one, but they were a bit prim about me coming to two. <laughs> Too many because they've all been How funny is that? But it, but the communal approach, like I love, I've always loved that about you three. Like you have always had that communal approach to promotion, mm. which I feel because there is strength in numbers, as you say. Like if you totally. turn up, if you each bring three people and a dog each, well, you've yeah. got nine people and three exactly. dogs, haven't you? Whereas <laughs> if you're there by yourself, you've got your three people and your puppy. Yeah. So I, I think, um, like, I've always liked that about you and mm. I've always felt that from an author newsletter perspective, because obviously I do my own author yeah. newsletter, 
um, as you say, sometimes you're sitting there going, "What?" Am I? I mean, you know, I'm so thankful I have my own dog because what else would I put in my newsletter? But I think, you know, like sometimes there's lots of stuff to talk about and sometimes there's the trip to the shops, and yeah. as you say. And so it is. I think it is a great tip for um, to new authors mm. or aspiring authors that if you can team up, you do mm. have that, you know, you get to cross-promote into each other's audiences in a really, really natural way, which I really love. Now, let's get a blurb in here. Where can people sign up for your book chat newsletter, which will give them the benefit of you, Leanne, and Burr all at once? <laughs> well, on all of our uh, websites, we have an easy, you know, click on and and um, the subscription will come up. So, dianeblacklock.com. Leon Moriarty, Burr Carroll, B E R C A R R O L. So Google that. Go to our website. Go and sign up. No, no yes. And but go and, and sign up pick. through Di's website, diamblacklock.com, oh, <laughs> because that way we'll know that you're a podcast listener and she'll be able to go, yay. That's right. Okay? That's right. I will. That would so, be you know, great. So sometimes the cross promotion stops with you. <laughs> I know you are, but sometimes the team promotion stops with you. Right. Okay. Only go to mine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, moving on. Mm. Let's talk about the pro the writing process for you. You've written ten novels, which mm -hmm. is a lot of novels. Do you find the process easier these days? Like, do you still work on a novel the same way that you did when you started out, or is it different now? No, I think um, I think it's harder. Um, I think the well, the first book I ever wrote, which didn't have an audience, the one yeah, that went on the slush pile, slush pile was kind of completely free and unfettered, and you wrote what you felt like, and you didn't. You weren't even thinking of of audiences and and uh, and publishers then, you know. <laughs> and then um, then when I wrote the first one, uh, I was very aware of that I was now writing it for a reason um, for a publisher and for other eyes. That so changed it, but there was still a lot of joy in that because I. You know, I was writing whatever came to my head, you know, like ideas that I'd, you know, that had been probably bouncing around in my head for years and character types. I wasn't, re I knew I wasn't repeating myself because I, you know, hadn't written it before uh, for an audience. And the first three books were very much like that. They were just bubbling to come out of me. You know, I've got this idea, I've got this story, I've got this uh, character uh, type. Um, and I felt, as I say, quite comfortable that I was never repeating myself. So they came um, a little bit easier. So I was on a big learning curve in terms of writing, uh, you know, a narrative um, and understanding the issues involved with that from another perspective. You know, so once I had an editor, what an amazing privilege it is to have an editor assigned to you. Um, to learn so much about structure and um, and and then even line issues, you know, um, I felt like you know I was pretty good <laughs> at spelling and grammar and so on. You learn a whole, you learn it at a whole other level um, <clears throat> when you come to mm. write a book. Um, and so then uh, the next three books got a little bit trickier in that I was thinking oh, I have to start. Um, coming up with stories, these just aren't like 
when I said that to other people, they go, but weren't they all made up? Of course they were all made up, but the first ones were sort of bursting out. And like I said, there didn't have to be any censoring, didn't have to be, I've been there before. Or uh, This was just stuff that I wanted to write about without even having to think about it. And then I had to start to just just ponder a bit more on something that I wanted to write about, you know, and 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 work mm. a little bit more at I at ideas coming out, and then uh, uh, the next three after that, it was another step, <laughs> and and I just think mm. um, I think it depends on how you write. Like I know people that can get out three books a year, and they're great, and they're fun, and they have a fantastic audience waiting for them and I've just learned that I'm not like that um I take a little bit longer to just over a, an idea and um and yeah and to develop it and to write it so um and I'm um anxious about um repeating myself or writing the same same um story over with different characters Mm. Mm. All right, so your latest book is called Jack and Kate. What can you tell us about that? Tell us all about it. I will tell you all about it because this is it. this brings us full circle. That book that was written in the 80s, <laughs> back that got me the attention. No way. Is yeah. now back? Pardon? It's, it is back except it's, it has it's... been so thoroughly like I don't even know. It's kind of like, you know, that philosophical question that they put to you that once you – replace this many parts of something does it is it still the same <laughs> um right. I have okay. edited and edited yeah I so what happened was once I was sort of established but it was around I think it was the time when I was going to step back um I'd already told my publisher I didn't want to sign and yeah you know, I didn't want another the expectation of another book out the next year and I got it out and had a look it was a summer I remember quite vividly, and my younger son, who still lived at home, was going, went to Mexico for the summer. So I had the place to myself, and that has never happened to me before, like to be on my own for an extended mm. length of time. And I just, I had a ball, I have to say. <laughs> um, and I, <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I, I sat out on my, I've got a quite deep balcony at my apartment, and it's really nice, and it looks out the garden, and sat out on these summer nights just reading through it and get, got quite absorbed in it. Um, and then I, you know, because what I was thinking was I might just put it as a free or a very cheap giveaway on my website or something just because I'm not going to have a book out, you know. So I'll, um, mm. uh, this would be something that fans might like and everything and I got really absorbed into it hadn't looked at it in such a long time and everything and so uh friends writer friends and editor friends said to me if you are drawn into it your readers will be you know this is a full-size yeah, novel which is you so should. True. yeah and then and they were all fascinated with the 80s setting so suddenly the 80s setting was not outdated it was actually retro so so I didn't have to worry about changing mm significant like there was some settings that rely on it so I thought mm. you know because because I, I had sort of vaguely when I first got it out oh maybe I'll just update the whole thing or something like that or do something with it so 
but you know, I could tell. Uh, yeah, I've, I've I've grown in. Ex- I've definitely grown in experience since then, and was able to really. Imp- I hope improve the um, the writing on the line, and also just yeah, understanding story beats a bit better to to pick up the pace and um, and change some things that I definitely changed. Definitely changed scenes and things that didn't work anymore in. So although I'm maintaining the 80s flavour, I still felt there was a different way to approach some parts of the story and so on. Yeah. Okay, so, so give me the elevator pitch. What's it What's it about? <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. So <laughs> the elevator. Oh, my books are really hard to describe as elevator pitches, but it's really – Come on, Di. This know, is very I important. Know. I'm so hopeless at it, I tell you. Um, and and it, this is one of the reasons that being an independent publisher is a little bit tricky too. Um, well, Leanne said it was about, you know, first love that doesn't um, – I think I quoted her on the cover – first love that doesn't always uh, succeed into the happily ever after. So uh, my, uh, my friend and I, mm. um, back, way back when we were writing she's about good it, at it. I think it <laughs> Yeah, I know. She can do it. She can She's good at the elevator pitch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and thus New York Times bestseller. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, good at a lot more than that. Um, when we were writing it, the, the original story way back and, and, you know, had been rejected by Mills and Boone and said, we want to write what we want to write. My friend said, you know, it's interesting to explore what what after the happy happy ever after, you know, what happens um, yeah. to couples. So it's a bit of that. It's, what happens it's, next? It's a love story at the beginning. It's it, you know, it falls into quite a quite an involved, you know, a romance that's sort of happy. It has its, you know, it has its obstacles, but it's just them getting together. But then it's what happens after that too, and and that cool. She's a, she's a bit younger, so she has to grow up. And go through some experiences to know what she wants. Um, but we open the novel, and it's not a spoiler because we open the novel and they're, they're not together, they've been estranged. So when you then mm. estranged for years and um, there's a child and so then you go back and mm. see them fall in love and everything happens. So, you know, as people have told me already that they're going, what happened? What you know, what how did that we, I know, yeah, okay, we're reading all this, but I know that things go wrong, you know, but what's gonna happen? So, um yeah, that's the structure of it. So yeah, not okay. not, not much of an elevator pitch there, sorry to say. <laughs> no, you need to go away. I'm your your mission is to go away and work on that because okay. it sounds like a great story. You just need to sum that up a little bit. Better. No, I've never been able to do <laughs> all it. All right. <laughs> Okay, so now you've recently switched from traditional pub- to indie publishing, mm-hmm. as we just discussed. So you've also reissued your entire backlist mm. with new covers, which is a is a big gig. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about why you did that and what you've learnt along the way? Okay, so there's a number of reasons that I did it. I, I did feel like sometimes here in Australia we're stuck a long way away from the rest of the world. Um, once your book is out and it's done, I've had a couple of books go into the US market but really difficult to get traction over there when you're not there and then when your books yes it's all very good now we're online everything's online but if the book's published in Australia it was too expensive it could could not compete 
uh, even for the e-books, you know, which is 50% of the market in the US. Yeah. So, I mean, if you can tap into even just a bit of that. So, here you are, you know, working, uh, slogging away to get a book out that, that only is in our small market. And, you know, the thousands of copies is a, is, is a good, you know, is a good um, result here. Um, and mm. to be able to mm. find a way to tap in. And clearly having the um, connection to Leanne has, is a good opportunity to take advantage of, which she is mm. completely, you know, well, you know she, she mentioned her and I in an article in the New York Times, for goodness sakes, we've been mentioned in the New York Times. Um, she is so supportive <laughs> and encouraging. Uh, she, you know, I books asked her for recommendations the other day and she put mine and Bird's books in. So she's, you know, she she really is very supportive. We're still doing the um, newsletter together and promoting. So I thought, well, look, I, you know, and all this backlist that you just, it's a little bit sad. Like you write children's books, which is wonderful because that has a perpetual audience, you know, you, next lot of children that come along. There's mm. no, you know, there's no reason that they won't read them. But you sort of think, oh, yeah, like once your book's done, it's done. It's like, it's you know, it has a shelf life of a magazine these days, you know, um, like a month. It's really sad. And it's a lot of work that people put in. Mm. And it's got to be, you've got to make the splash when it's out. That's when you get your sales. And after that, forget it, it's gone. So mm. I had the benefit, um, as you know, Alison, that my um, son – my eldest son runs Critmath, which is the critical, uh, which is a publishing consultancy, and critical maths, I should say. This is Joel, everybody, and we have. This is Joel, and we yes. have actually interviewed Joel on the podcast. Mm. I can't remember what episode, but it was a few episodes ago, and it yep. was an excellent discussion about indie publishing. If you're interested, and mm. Joel is Dice's son. Yes. Continue. But he was, <laughs> yes, sorry, <laughs> he was he was formerly the publisher for Momentum, the Momentum imprint at Pam McMillan, which was the first digital standalone imprint um, in Australia. Um, so he learnt from the ground up. And so I guess I had a bit of insight that um, of the way the whole uh, place works. Um, his partner is a publisher, traditional publisher in um, for HarperCollins. So you know, I've seen I've seen all sides of it, and I felt like it was worth mm. worth taking the chance because I also because I already have a, a, a readership, so and some discoverability, don't they call it? You know, I knew it wasn't as big a risk for me as someone coming to it as a debut author, perhaps. Um, but um, I just felt getting my rights back of my books. Um, and yeah, repackaging them and everything and having a bit of a push behind them globally, you know, because we had that reach with the, with the newsletter. We have a big half of our, um, half of our subscribers up from the US, thanks to Leanne. Mm. That's only one small way, but social media. I also, um, I was speaking to someone at an industry function, um, only just around the time. And I, I actually was in discussion with a couple of different publishers about going in a different direction and 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 was getting, you know, really a lot of interest and, and support from from them for 
for looking at um, my next couple of books. And one had read uh, Jack and Kate and loved it. And But mm. I actually um, stepped back. I just thought if I'm ever going to do you know, now I'll go on to the treadmill with another publisher. You know, and just for me, mm. having had the experience, I wasn't sure that it was going to, um, you know, there's, there's so much hope. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I might be sounding really depressing to perspective um, authors <laughs> out there. I don't mean that at all, but I do think it has changed over the years and I wasn't sure that I wanted to stay. I mean, I, I've had the experience. I wasn't sure that I wanted to do it over again. Um, and I was feeling that thing of I'm not sure I'm not sure that I can do a book a year. I'm not sure that I can in the future. I don't know that yeah. that that is the way that I write or that that is even the way that I want to write. And that's just for me. And I yeah yeah you know, I am envious of the people that can do um, can do that and can do several books a year. But that is uh, that is a skill I don't have. So, um, so you do need to know, you understand your own writing rhythm, don't you? Yeah. You need to so, understand what you can and can't do. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think that that's the thing. I mean, if that's the way the industry is now, then I don't know that I can fit into it. Um, so therefore taking control myself, having my, um, um, books and, uh, under my own name and putting out books when I can or when I want to, um, that write you know, that aren't going to necessarily shake the world but will, you know, make a few bobs. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm I'm quite happy with that. Now, so then I had – so sorry, I was talking to that person from industry who just spent a couple of years in the US oh, – sorry, in the UK as Amazon had arrived in the UK. And she said to me – Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is when I was mulling over it and had been meeting with these other publishers, and she said to me, oh, "This, you know, she offers, this is the time to do it because um, right. Amazon is coming to Australia, and it's real." I she did not feel the publishers were prepared for the the seismic change that would happen, and so it yeah. So to me, it just felt like the right time to have all my to own all my books myself. Because I didn't, you know, we don't know where the yeah. industry is setting, is heading, and um, yeah. and to yeah take control in that way. So I'm lucky that I once. And I'm, I guess you also had the benefit, didn't you, of having that skill set with Joel? Like you had absolutely. good solid help there to help you to do that. Absolutely, yeah. that's what I, Which that's what I was going to say. Like that's my son. My third son is um, is a graphic designer, and he redesigned all the covers. So I right. realise that I have, in, and my fourth son is a social media manager, so he has helped me with a whole lot of social media. <laughs> so basically, so I've you got pretty my much own. just got a publishing house at home. This is correct. Excellent. <laughs> so I realise yeah, that makes great. a really big We should difference. all have one of those. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go and train my children immediately. That's right. This is a, this is what you do. Um, yeah. So you know, in terms of cost. And everything, obviously, it was um, more viable for me uh, um, because, you know, yeah. I would totally encourage people spending the money that needs to be spent to do a professional job because I can say that because I got a yeah. 
for nothing most of the time. Oh, you know, um, <laughs> cost. Um, you got mum's rates. Mum's rates. <laughs> but, you know, giving birth to people may be a bit bigger, bigger price for people to pay in order to get to <laughs> publishing deals later on. Okay, just suggest, it's, a, it's an idea, but it might not work for everyone. <laughs> it may not work long term. All right, so let's finish up today with your – Apart from giving birth to your own publishing house, what are your top three tips for writers? How do I make it that? Um, um, top three tips. I do like it. That could possibly be one of the most interesting tips we've ever had, I but we might need to go with something a little bit more doable. Okay. Look. Oh, God. Um, okay, so I always say, and it'll be like every other writer you probably um, interviewed that you have to read, um, read, 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 yeah. read, read. I, I, I still get quite taken aback by the people I meet who are, who want to be writers and are aspiring writers and don't read. And by some of the, because uh, as you know, I'm an editor now, and um, and I'll get private jobs through people that have uh, put together a, a manuscript, and I. I get you can tell that their grasp of sort of the way a story works and and um, is not you know they just haven't read enough you know I or or I don't know how they mm. could be reading extensively and right. missed the mark quite so so strongly you know so um, that's um, wow yeah it's really surprising to see that. Um, yeah, that people people will be um, enthusiastic about writing and and reading is 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 such a small part of it. Um, but you know, it'd be like trying to make something without ever having seen the finished product. <laughs> you know, um, mm. I'm going to make mm. this dress, and I don't know what a dress looks like. Um, I, you know, I I um, and yeah. the parts that you know um, make it up. So. I um, yeah, reading reading cannot recommend strongly enough. Um, yep. As far as these are tips for writers, aren't they? Yes, tips for writers. Um, so yeah, um, yep. Get off the social media. Um, I and or you know, contain yourself is what I mean. You you, you cannot. <laughs> Control yourself. Control yourself. Contain it to a certain amount of time. Procrastination is is rife now. I have got some very enthusiastic past students who put, post up wonderful things about writing, <laughs> wonderful tips, right. wonderful, and they don't write very much. Um, and we had a weekend right. away, um, weekend uh, last weekend uh, with some of these students and it was great. We just, everything went quiet and we just went into different corners and wrote. And uh, this one person who'd been really struggling with getting, and she, if she's listening, she knows who she is, with getting anything down, just surprised herself when she had the focus, when she just sat there and wrote and didn't, you know, she had put words on the page. So, you know, set the time yeah, aside. So you have to control it. You have to control it and just, mm. you know, there's no other way the words are going to get there. It doesn't matter how many courses you go to, how many great articles you read. 
you know, there's a lot, there's so much around now. It's fantastic. There's so many resources for writers to draw on, but some of them, that's all they're doing. Um, The words have got to go down on the page. And and linked to this, but will be my third um, tip, they're a little bit um, nebulous, aren't they? (laughs) uh, Is is just get those words down on the page and don't worry about, Editing always is right. That's the other thing that I see writers do all the time. It's like, oh, they're frozen at the first chapter. They're frozen at the first um, page or sometimes even the first line. And, you know, they can't get this right. You go, no, 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 no. Just get it down. You can't edit an empty page. You've got to get it down. Don't worry too much. Fix that up later. Keep going with the story. Um, There's a great quote from... Ezra Pound that I often refer to, which is it doesn't matter which leg of the tail you screw on first as long as it's got four legs at the end and it can stand up. That's, you know, just don't get hung up on those kinds of things. Um, they're, just, they're just another way to procrastinate, I think, to stop you from going forward. Okay. Hmm. Well, that's brilliant. Well, thank you so much babies. for your time today, Di. Oh, wait. <laughs> And the last one is have babies Wait, more. and bring them up to become to work in publishing to get you. Okay, that's, that's, that's something you can think of. I'm not 100 percent sure we can advocate for that, but we'll, okay. <laughs> All right, Di, thank you so much for your time today. No, much it's a appreciated, and best of luck with Jack and Kate. And thank don't you. forget, everyone, you can go and sign up for the book chat newsletter at dianeblacklock.com. All right, bye. Thanks, Al. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our popular course, Creative Writing Stage 1, is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing. You only need a couple of hours a week and you'll learn how to create memorable characters, believable dialogue and captivating plots, all in a supportive environment in this five-week online course. Whether your goal is to write a bestseller or simply tell better stories, learn at home with your very own tutor giving you personal feedback each week. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash creative writing. There we go, Diane Blacklock. That was a great interview. So what have you got coming up this week, Al? Uh, let's see, what have I got coming up? I'm, well, I'm just sort of focused on getting all of the things done that I haven't done while I've been away. I'm actually working on a little freelance story as well, which is a little bit random. Um, but yeah, mostly catching up. Like there's a lot of catching up to do when you're out of the office as much as I have been, Mm. um, over the last few weeks. So I've got, you know, things to, things to follow up on. What about you? What are you doing? I'm actually working on a freelance story too. Mm. <laughs> so um, both you and I are doing that. And so I need to get line up a bunch of interviews and get some statistics and stuff like that. And interesting that we were speaking about writer's retreats earlier because one of the things that I'm contemplating and need to make a decision on kind of in the next couple of days is whether to go on an artist's retreat that's coming up in October. So it'll be something a little bit different. You know, I've been on my own writer's retreat before, but now I'm contemplating whether to go on an artist's retreat because, you know, you've got to weigh up because it costs money. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not on a scholarship. Oh, <laughs> so, really? What? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so you kind of have to weigh up, you know, whether you're going to get the ROI on it and that sort of thing. And Most artists decide. don't think in terms of ROI. You are on top of you. <laughs> like this is the thing I found so, find so fascinating about you is this full-on creative outlet with this mind of an accountant. <laughs> it's fascinating. It really is. Well, it's great fun anyway. Um, anyway, where do we find you online, Al? Uh, you'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You'll find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T. And you'll find me on Instagram and Facebook at Alison Tate Writer. And you, Val, where do we find you? You will find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, you can connect with both of us in the Facebook group. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. It's free to join. We'd love to have you in there. There's so many awesome writers and they're all really just so interesting and supportive and lovely. So uh, make sure you connect with us in there. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.